everybody. Hello, Kalei. Hello. Welcome to the film room. Uh, so this is attempt number four? <laughs> Something like that, yes. Yeah. Attempt number infinite, let's just go with it and move on. Yeah. That's okay, sometimes it'd be like that, you know. <laughs> sometimes it'd be like that. But yeah, this is our, uh, you know what? Zephyr, uh, why don't you why don't you introduce our topic today? All right. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's long past due on this cast, but uh, we're finally doing a Pride episode. Yeah. And boy, has this year been wild for Pride. Oh yeah, it has been. And hey, let's be honest. Uh, any month can be Pride month. Yep. Yeah. That's our that's our belief. Yeah. yeah, but oh boy, this was this was a crazy year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we have to give any sort of uh, introduction to that. <laughs> Absolutely not. And mm-hmm. uh, frankly, dear listeners, we we want to talk about all the queer stuff tonight. We're yeah, I mean, talking about representation. How Hollywood has failed us, studio yeah. system, uh, Oscar bait, intersectionality—you know, all that jazz. We're gonna have, we're gonna really and truly have to do a speed run through this if we want to get anything said. It's it's that inco- all encompassing the topic. Yeah. Which isn't to sit and pay any of this short shrift. It's just, my God, where do you even start? Um, mm-hmm. That's probably why a pretty good shorthand for starting this cast would be read the celluloid closet or watch the documentary. Yes. And and there you go. You hit the ground running. Um, the long and short of uh, queer representation uh, is, okay, number one, it still sucks horribly right now. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. It sucked worse before the mm-hmm. 90s. It's, it's sucking a little bit less now. Oh, let me tell you, um, I did not unfortunately get a chance to uh, view Rocco uh, before this cast, oh. Oh. but I did come across a Simpsons joke that didn't age well. Not hard. Yeah, it's, um, let's see, Ooh, it's the one, it's Homer the Heretic, season four, mm. yeah, uh, like 1993, yeah. Uh, there's a joke in there where... Uh, you know, Homer, maybe it's, maybe it's that one. I forget. But the joke is like, uh, um, he's like, oh, well, you know, what's his name? Uh, didn't go to church and he turned out fine. It's like, oh no, his, uh, like Frank. It's like, no, he's Francine now. And he joined that cult and blah, blah. It's like, ooh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Since 1993, bad. <laughs> and that's a great episode too. That's what really it, hurts. It's a classic episode. So that's but, one of those like you have to look at it and go. Times have changed, and I'm sure the show, you know, the show is trying to be more progressive now. It, but it's, it's interesting. Cause I'm going to talk about a show um, mm-hmm. that really, really, really wrestled with this stuff and. Mm-hmm. has gone on to become one of the stealth most progressive shows on television. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. Oh, I guess boy. Not, 
Not surprisingly, but not surprisingly, know. when you realize that the people who make it are super progressive. Yeah. But like I, I, I watched the episode where Mac deals with coming out of the closet, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. deals with how it affects his friends, and it is kind of a shocking episode to watch because you realize this is really the show dealing with. Hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to be honest. We're going to show that it hurts. We're going to show that it's difficult. We're going to show that we care. We're not going to make this a bad joke. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it is a show written and, you know, performed by heterosexuals. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no getting around that. Um, Most of the cast is married to Mm -hmm. each other in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. But in this episode, you can really see them trying to go, look, we, we don't want to be a gross joke. We want to get this shit right. Um, yeah. And I cannot recommend the episode enough. Um, you know, as I said, it, I, in fact, really the theme of the episode is uh, Frank trying to understand. And that's what the whole episode feels like is it's the show saying, look, we want to understand. We want to get this. Um, in fact, the whole reason Matt came out of the closet was people got sick of the gay jokes and they said, yeah, you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. We've been milking this cow for too long. This is offensive. We're going to have him come out of the closet and then we're just going to have him be as sleazy as, and terrible as the rest of them, but sleazy mm-hmm. and terrible and gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been yeah. talking a lot, so I'm going to like really shut, shut the hell up. Um, but I had to say that, that I watched that today and I admired it. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I guess the best place to start would be, what? Let's talk about the Oscars, shall we? I think that yes. could, that could probably be the entire cast. So yes, let's start with the Oscars. Because mm-hmm. my God, are we getting breadcrumbs even now? Mm-hmm. We are. Like, uh, like within the past few years, especially where we've seen more or less a rise in trying to get queerness as something that is worthy of recognition and golden statues and the like. And some of these roles are absolutely garbage. Yes. Like, let, let's go back what, let's see, what do you think? 2013? Yeah, let's go 2013 with the little film called Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, that was that long ago? Yes. Yes. Good Christ. Yes, exactly. Now, Jared Leto is a guy that I would love to punch in the face any given day of the week. And in fact, I think his best films are the ones where he either dies or suffers horribly, like Fight Club or American Mm -hmm. Psycho. Um, I will throw up since, uh, how much I absolutely love that in Panic Room, he is just the biggest dipshit on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I'm with you on this. Yeah. And uh, trans casting is still a thing. In fact, hell, just the other day, just to date this cast, we had... Uh, Halle Berry in the news at, for yeah. being considered playing a trans role and then passing that on or dropping out of that role 
Yeah. Like, this shouldn't be that fucking difficult, but it still is. And it's insane when you consider that there are actual actors out there that are making their names. Um, Amanda's been watching Pose. Yeah. And a number of the actresses on it are trans women. Yeah. And now, yes, there are still a number of cis actors, uh, though I will point out the show does have a largely queer cast. Um, baby steps, people. Tiny, tiny baby steps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will point out there are a number of trans actresses on it, and they're fantastic. Yeah. And then, like, uh, last month, uh, Netflix put out the uh, Disclosure documentary, largely headed actually, by Laverne Cox. Can I, can I walk something back about that? Because I just realized there's a point that I actually need to make. By and large, actually, the trans women on the show are even actually played by trans actresses. And it's that the cis, ro- the cis roles tend to be filled by gay men playing drag queens. So hmm. I just want to underline that. That's yeah. actually good. But you're right, going about disclosure. I'm sorry, Zephyr, if I'm talking over you, please shut me the Oh, oh no, no, you're fine. I, I need this to be collaborative. But like disclosure even brings up uh, Pose and uh, like some of the more recent shows, and they even dive into Dallas Buyers Club and fucking Danish girl. Like, okay, basically disclosure is the celluloid closet specifically concerning trans people. And if yeah. you haven't seen it yet, I definitely recommend it. But much like the celluloid closet, this is only a primer. You have to go in and do some of the work yourself. They can't do it all for you. Mm-hmm. I cannot stress that enough. But yeah. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a very tired, exhausted queer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I, can we stay on Dallas Buyers Club for a moment? Because I think it just is such the perfect emblem of everything that's wrong with queer Oscar baiting. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Because first of all, it was made by heterosexuals. I'm pretty sure that it's almost like almost all the the creative positions were heterosexual. It invents a trans character for Jared Leto to play who gets to be the tragic one who dies the tragic death. Um, Matthew McConaughey's character's death is completely off screen. Um, You get the tragic scene where we see her as a male, which I don't ever want to see that scene in a movie ever again um i i mean if the movie was good it could be problematic i'm going to point out that it absolutely stinks like shit on ice uh it's atrocious on every level matthew mcconaughey's character gets a quasi romance with a uh, woman at the core um jared leto's character is a little sexless uh a, a little sexless queen frankly and again, it's emphasized that it's Jared Leto, a male who, who I was going to say traditionally paints, presents as male um, in his looks, but my God, it's beyond that. He is the walking emblem of a human STD. He's a cult leader, for God's sake. Um, Wait, Jared Leto is? He's the leader of a sex cult. Um, are, you, are you serious? Yep, go look it up. Jared Leto is the leader of a sex cult. Um, uh, he hasn't been arrested. 
Uh, no, because he's rich and famous. Uh, it took a long time for R. Kelly to get ri- to get arrested. And uh, I just invite you to go look up R. Kelly's 90s discography. Um, short of I'm Screwing 15-Year-Olds as a song title. Actually, AJ Nothing But Number is pretty close. Pretty damning. Just watch Surviving R. Kelly. Part just watch Sur- Surviving R. Kelly or read... Uh, the book that just came out on the topic and just cry yourself to sleep at the thought that this man hasn't been arrested 50 times and is finally, finally arrested for this stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, God, God, I hope he gets convicted because um, he is guilty as sin. Um, but anyway, but I haven't even got to the most damning thing about the film. Guess what detail they chose to leave out of Dallas Buyers Club? What major detail that would have completely altered the entire film? I mean, it's, it, it's been fucking ages since I saw it the one oh. time. But but imagine what's the worst detail that you could leave out of a film like this? Homosexuality. And the and I am and uh, you win a prize. He was bisexual in real life. Apparently, the character was actually a much more modest. Like the movie depicts him as a shit kicker, hillbilly, a cowboy. He wasn't that person in real life. He was a modest bisexual businessman. So if you didn't hate the movie enough, I've given y'all reasons to. Um, but it's emblematic of everything that you see as the safe Oscar bait. You've got notoriously heterosexual stars. Nobody questions Matthew McConaughey or, um, you know, and the crazy thing is there's so many gay Texas actors out there. I can name three that went to one goddamn high school, for God's sake, who could have played the part. I'm not sure I would have wanted uh, Jim Parsons, but Matt Bomer and Lee Pace are both openly gay. Yeah. Uh, and Texan, and would have been great in the part. I just looked up the Jared Leto. Uh, I just uh, Googled Jared Leto <laughs> sex cult, and holy shit. <laughs> not hard to find information, is it? It's really not. There are a lot of like, you know, bloggy type things. But then one says, "Oh yeah, he freely admits it." Yeah. Another one that says uh, that. He's oh, with it. Yeah. Another one that says that uh, James Gunn implies. I didn't like click into it, but James Gunn implies that Jared Leto is a pedophile. And it's like, fuck. Okay. You know, it's 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 gonna forever piss me off that Gunn was slandered for remarks he made when he was just out of working with Trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know the sick jokes that he made, which were still bad, you know. But he did apologize for them. Yes, and did. yet, in reality, what he was really trying to do for a long time was point shit like this out. Yeah, and like that's a long deleted tweet too. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. just, but I, I guess I'm fixated on Dallas Buyers Club because it's just again, it's this mm-hmm. perfect emblem. It's straight people. It's a tragic story. Same and, with the Danish girl because. And again, they leave out a key fact that was really huge, which was that the, the real Lily Elba was probably intersex. Hmm. Funny how that really important piece of information got left out. Hmm. Um, I, God, I get so mad about this shit. Um, I will, by the way, point out that when I typed Lily Elba into... Uh, Wikipedia, the first thing that came up was her name, and she was listed as her name. Um, 
it, it, it's speculated, it's, it's, so it's not confirmed. You still could have gotten the speculation in there. I, I, can I just say how much I hate Eddie Redmayne, by the way? And, oh, I, yeah. and I have liked approximately one film he's done, and it's the one that everybody hates. Uh, Les Miserables? Uh, no. Jupiter Ascending. He is Jupiter so Ascending. goddamn magnificent in Jupiter Ascending. I, I, uh, and you see, the great thing about it is by talking about, notice that the good role that he did was being directed by trans women. Uh, of course. The universe is fair sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, God, like, I, 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 I feel like his entire career is always going to have an act, like his Oscar is always going to have an asterisk of, you won this, but you won this because you played Stephen Hawking. Michael yeah. Keaton deserved your Oscar. Now, for what's worth, Michael Keaton is having an amazing career right now, while uh, Redmayne is kind of starting to hurt for work. Uh, I, I mean, it, it doesn't help that the current franchise he's in is written by an actual goddamn turf. Yeah, it's written mm -hmm. by a turf with uh, a notorious uh, abuser as the central villain. I don't give a shit that she may have done something to him. They're both terrible. He's a disgusting drug addict. Uh -uh, I'm not. I'm not erasing things. And then you've got Ezra Miller having problems. I think really the great thing about COVID is it may force Warner Brothers to say, "We're not doing this shit. Pay out our clauses. We're done." Who said that? I, I think Warner Brothers. That's what they need to do. Is they may be able to take advantage of COVID and be like, "Look, we're not doing this shit. We're paying out our clauses. We're done." Oh, we're done with, uh, with Fantastic Beasts, the uh, Fantastic Beast movies, yeah. yeah. But again, at least at least Keaton has that uh, franchise. Y'all heard he's joining the DC movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't see him as Batman, but we'll see. <laughs> so, sure, I'm man. So, I'm so goddamn excited that I will get to see him on the big screen again as Batman. Because I did see '89 in a theater. Uh, but but uh, where I'm, I'm getting off topic as I always do. I just as I said. You know, the sad part is, like with the Danish girl, it's like this story would have been great if it had been told by trans trans women. And I think that's it's funny how that always seems to be the thing that I come back to is, I would love these stories if they were told by people who had any right to them. Um, uh, can we agree that we'll get to Moonlight at the end of this cast? I'd rather get to it at the end of the cast. Maybe it's like an after dinner mint to wash wash it out of my out of my brain. Some, something like that, yeah. Because I like of, I like Moonlight more. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of bad queer Oscar bait, uh, let's talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah. Uh. Yeah, because I finally watched that today. Sephra, I'm sorry. Look, I it was in the back of my mind, and I'm, like I was gonna at least take a nap, and then I'm like, no, I actually have to see it because we're gonna bring it up. Mm -hmm. Look, you you can find more queer content on either Pornhub or OnlyFans than the entire 134 minute runtime of Bohemian Rhapsody. The frustrating thing is that Freddie Mercury was he was so openly, boldly bisexual. He mm -hmm. never hid it. He never ran from it. 
he did wrestle with it to a degree, but it was only to the degree that he loved his wife and it was a little bit difficult for him to leave her. But that's a normal relationship thing. You could deal with that the same way Walk the Line did, where, you know, you have a difficult breakup. But for God's sake, that's pathetic. Like, any hint of bisexuality did not hit until the 30-minute mark, and I fucking timed it. That is insane. AIDS. AIDS did not come up until 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then right after you see him cough into the tissue and there are blood splatters, it becomes, whoopsie-daisy, I got the AIDS, let's put on a show. <laughs> um, I will point out that Mercury did not know that he had AIDS at the time that they, that, uh, whatchamacallit hit, uh, that uh, Libade hit. He did not know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also didn't tell anybody until, like, the, what, the day before? Yeah, he literally didn't come out publicly and say he was dying until the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's one of those things. I realized that, you know, I could also point out that Man on the Moon was full of inaccuracies like that. The difference was they intended those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of biopics have glaring inaccuracies, but with artistic, um, artistic Just, license, this is... You still gotta, you still gotta like include the fact that your yeah main character was bisexual. Mm-hmm. You know like that. He, well, the 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 moment. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, Zephyr, but the moment that hit me in there was um like when because I went I went and saw it in the theater. I will freely admit that, and you know I knew all the. Uh, I almost had to see it in the theater and uh, was talked out of, and I was able yeah. to keep delaying it. Yeah, but that the moment when, uh, like his when his friend slash girlfriend, uh, like he's like uh, he's like I'm bisexual, and she's like No, you're gay, and it just kind of film just kind of goes with that, and it's like Oh, guest scene guest written by Joss Whedon. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like Yep. Also, another known turf. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he really? Oh, yeah, yeah, he he liked the uh, Rylings tweets. Whedon is one of those cases where it's like, I want to put the Avengers movies uh, in the back of my mind and keep those as nice and safe. Um, mm-hmm. I want to keep um, Serenity and Firefly in the back of my mind. Buffy, as far as I'm concerned, you can set it on fire. I'm and run away from it. That thing is a mm-hmm. dumpster fire in my eyes. And I say that as somebody who loved it for the first, for most of its run, honestly. But looking back at it, it is so disgusting in its morality that oh, burn it. I am not, yeah, I'm, I'm in kind of an angry mood tonight, and this is letting me vent. Oh no, this this is going to be an angry cast. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you right now because. And it's and here's the thing, like, I just. I don't understand why 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 you would tell the story that way. Um, I don't understand why you, you know R- Rocket Man. I'm I'm so glad that Elton John was alive to have control of it because you know that that's what happened with Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody was the members of Queen struck down everything. It is going to pain me that the bio biopic that we could have had was written by Peter Morgan, who is a genius writer. Frost Nixon. 
um, and um, the Queen are his scripts. Oh. Yeah, Morgan. Uh, the uh, Morgan is currently on TV working on The Crown. Okay. Oh man. And um, is a, a, just an absolute genius of a writer. He wrote a script. Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play Mercury. Yeah, I, I remember that. And, I and it's the members of Queen that said no. And I can assure you, I can goddamn guarantee you that script was much queerer than this. Now, Morgan oh. is not queer. He is he has at least recently been in a relationship with Jillian Anderson to make him the enemy of anybody who grew up in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, God damn, that woman still looks absolutely stunning. Um, but, you know, he, he, but I guarantee you he would have done a better job. I would love to read that script because I'm, if it pissed off the members of Queen who, by the way, suck as human beings, let me just say that. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, of course, don't forget, notoriously, they wanted, the, they wanted Freddy to die at the middle of the film and then have the rest of the film be about how they carried on without him. What? This is completely true. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. That's shitty. That's shitty. Mm -hmm. They, the, the bitterness that they have to that, towards that man, who by all accounts, by the way, was a lovely human being. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the people who actually knew him and loved him have nothing but kind things to say about him. Mm -hmm. um, not surprisingly, he was apparently close friends with Elton John. And of probably course. least surprising detail I could give. So again, I think it's really telling that Elton John was alive and got to act. You know, there's a reason that his biopic is actually good. Yeah. And yes, I did finally see it. It's fantastic. Just, oh, yeah. Just stellar. Uh, like, like for me, the sad thing is, Nathan and I, we watched Rocket Man. I bought him Rocket Man for an anniversary gift. We both fucking loved it. And then he asks me to get Bohemian Rhapsody. And I'm like, you don't want this. <laughs> I left the Blu-ray in his possession, and that was the thing that I watched. Um, yeah, Rocket yeah. Man is better. Rocket Man is, and of course, it did much worse at the box office because it a it got an R rating. Just you have to tell Elton John's story with an R rating. Yeah, mm -hmm. and of course, it didn't get any Oscar love. I'm just, I'm actually shocked Taron Edgerton didn't get a nomination. Um, though he or, may have got you know costume design. Costume design was incredible. Court, I mean, this, I mean, it's it's visual. is the real deal as director. Um, I I'm baffled. I'm baffled because. And, and, oh, and by the way, let's not forget, Taron Edgerton actually sang his own shit in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Which is not easy to, listen, I'll grant you, Freddie Mercury is not an easy voice to capture. But you mm -hmm. know who else isn't easy? Johnny Cash, and that didn't stop Joaquin Phoenix for, from doing note-for-note -note perfect imitations. Mm -hmm. Or Elton John. And he even duetted with uh, John on the film. Yeah, which is amazing. I Actually, I tell you know. back, it did get it did get one Oscar nomination and win for the song. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't know that that was both of them until I yeah. listened to the soundtrack later. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, also, Edgerton got to read uh, Elton John's uh, bi uh, bi autobiography, which I think yeah. is just cool as hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
But again, the one that actually had queer representation, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Though I'm trying to picture what a straight-washed biopic of Elton John would look like, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm picturing a short subject. It just wouldn't happen. Why don't you bring up Bruno? Yeah, okay, I, I love I love Borat a lot. Um, can we just talk about what an absolute goddamn hate crime Bruno is? What an absolute hate crime that movie is. How much it absolutely despises gay people and how embarrassing it was to watch it. There are two movies in my life that I regret watching twice in theaters. The first is Crash, which I watched twice because a friend wanted to go see it. It was a dollar. And I wanted to see if it was really that bad. Yes, by the way. Um, But with Bruno, I saw it for a second time and I saw it the second time of my own volition. And I think it's because that first time that I watched it, it seemed funny. And what I realized is I was remembering the few good Hollywood jokes that land. There's one scene in the movie that's absolutely hysterical, the scene with the parents. And it's great, and you could take it out of context, but it doesn't need to have a gay character. Bruno is such a despicably, the whole thing is gay panic in the movie. That's the entire movie. I hate it. I, I, I despise it. I think it's one of the most loathsome films I've ever seen. Was the main point of it to make fun of pageant parents, or was that just an incidental? Point? That was the, that was just an incidental scene that they got for one for like three oh, minutes. One, it's one, one scene. scene. Oh. It's one scene. Most of the movie is him going around doing gay stuff and freaking people out. Ah, like he does a pilot, and at the end of it, it's uh, a giant shot of a swinging dick, and at the I end, see. the dick talks. Am I making this sound like a movie that should ever exist? No. I mean, you could. Maybe if it was John Waters. Maybe. That's the thing. And, and the thing is, Cohen, okay, with Borat, he was dealing with anti Semitism for a lot of his humor. Well, I don't think I'm going to shock people to note that Sasha Baron Cohen. Maybe had a stand. Maybe had some ground to stand on when it came time to talk about homosexuality or to <laughs> anti-Semitism. He's Jewish. He's ethnically Jewish um, <laughs> and culturally Jewish, and he could talk about that. He had the right to it. <laughs> but he's a straight man married to a woman. He had no ground here, and like so much of the movie is about. Uh, at the end of it, the, the incident that actually came close to my area, it was in Texarkana, was he goes, uh, he, he plays a, Bruno decides he's going to be straight. So he plays a character named Straight Dave. There's t-shirts that read, my asshole is for shitting. Oh. God, I'm going to throttle this movie as I'm talking about it. Okay. And, and, at, and of course his boyfriend shows up and they start making out and it causes a panic. Oh my god. Y'all, this was four years after goddamn Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, that sounds god-awful. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It is. As I said, so much, and, and so much of the movie is this character is an asshole who happens to be gay. There's penis pump jokes. There's mm-hmm. jokes about him getting stuck in a sexual 
uh, harness with his boyfriend. It's so bad, y'all. Zephyr, have you seen it? Or are you just letting me vent? I'm I'm letting you vent because you mentioned wanting to bring up Bruno at one point. I'm like, look, we're already on the Baron Cohen train. Let's just yeah knock this out. out. It's despicable. It's it's a despicable motion picture. I think it's really telling. It has no gay following. Mm. Yeah, because when you look at some of the some of the art that does, that's quite offensive, frankly. But. Gay people have a sense of humor. And again, it's when that sense of humor is internal. Again, the guy who's married to Isla Fisher and has a bunch of kids with her isn't gay. You know, it's weird because I bring up Brokeback Mountain. That was another film that was entirely staffed by heterosexuals. But God, it at least, it at least put, it at least empathized with it, with its gay characters and made them the main characters for God's sake. I mean, bare minimum theater here, but I don't know. I don't know. I get angry. But at, at this point, let let's talk about studios. Yeah, I'm glad Be, because you bring up Broke Back Mountain. It was financed, well, not just financed, but distributed by not one of the then big six. Mm-hmm. And it's the year 2020, and any remote sense of queerness is still a financial risk at the box office. I hate to say it, but it's still a problem because remotely, like with the exception of like Rocket Man, which did ballistic at the box office same with bohemian rhapsody to some extent you're not gonna find a lot of queerness from any one of the large studios unless it's either a supplementary character Mm -hmm. or or it's even just hinted at Mm -hmm. i will say 20th century fox took a risk back in 2018 mm-hmm. when they did Love, Simon. Mm-hmm. Where, it, where it was expressed within the trailers that Simon was gay. This mm-hmm. was going to be a film about a gay character. A gay protagonist. Mm-hmm. And few years out it's well hulu is distributing the spinoff series love victor which according to advocate was going to air on disney plus but uh quote variety citing unnamed sources disney felt many issues explored on the show including alcohol use and sexual exploration would not fit in with the family-friendly content on disney plus and can i just say fuck disney can can i can i can i point out that they could have literally gotten away with it by just saying we think it fits more on hulu next to our freeform content and no one would have bitched but you had to go on ahead and say the quiet part loud Okay, so okay, so run that by me again. Where are the two points that they cited for that? Alcohol use 
and uh-huh. sexual exploration. Can I just um, say that uh, Disney Plus's big hit right now is Hamilton mm-hmm. and includes all of both of those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you have <laughs> to understand, Disney likes Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, how mm-hmm. else would you explain him writing the score for Moana or having yes. a role in Mary Poppins Returns? You know, yes. they like other him. Things. Yeah, if they like you, they'll bend the rules for you. Also, they like the money he gives them. Uh, oh, and yeah. you can see the numbers on uh, Disney Plus subscriptions uh, pre and post Hamilton. Um, there's a clear message sent. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty damn clear message sent. Um, yeah. I I just... like I like Lumero Miranda too, but I call bullshit at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I just think if they'd been honest and said, hey, or if they'd not even been honest, lied and said, look, we just think it's a better fit with our, you know, the content that we've got over there on uh, what's on Hulu with the freeform stuff, I wouldn't have minded that because that would have been logical. I get that. You want to cluster your stuff where it goes. Bob's Burgers isn't on that, isn't on there. I get it. It's mm-hmm. not really a good fit. I have no idea what the hell The Simpsons is doing on there. Because uh, <laughs> it's a I, pretty horrible fit. I baffle over that every time I see it. It's like, The Simpsons, what are you doing on Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Like, I know why, but you know. Uh, and it's so iconic. But it's like, okay, so, by the way, just so we're clear, I can get a little boy's animated penis on Disney Plus, but the hints of gay <laughs> content, that's not okay. That's right, because that's in the And movie. even then... And mm. even then, Disney has been very, very hesitant to even dip their fucking pinky toe in the water for <sighs> for any kind of queer representation. Because lately, lately, it's been explored on Disney Channel here and there with series like Andy Mack, Gravity mm-hmm. Falls. Um, yes. And then when it comes to their film content oh good lord uh let's talk about beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. i want at some point for josh gad to come up and say you know i'm actually really ashamed of of having done this shit because you know he probably is as much of a theater vet as he is you know he's probably well the worst thing about that is okay they made lefou gay you know so he gets to be the effeminate in, and first of all, they don't make him that gay. It's only implied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the exclusive gay moment is at the very end, which is like two or three seconds. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, let's talk about an image of gayness that you would never see in Disney. A strapping, masculine, macho figure uh, with a bold voice. Someone like, say, Luke Evans, who played Gaston. Mm-hmm. Anybody care to guess where I'm going with this? Because that's the absolute bitch of this, is Luke Evans is gay. Uh, Luke Evans is openly gay. You're never going to see someone like him playing a gay character in a Disney movie because it goes against it goes against the norms they're trying to reinforce. But yeah, that's, that, that's what made that all so embarrassing was You've literally got an openly gay actor right there. It's like you had someone. <laughs> but of course, I mean, I'm not arguing that Gaston should have been gay. Gaston 
has to be the him. And for what it's worth, Evans was an absolutely perfect choice for that part. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, the only person I've heard do uh, that song better than he did. Mm-hmm. Well, that that goes to good old Wolverine. Yes. Because, yes. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. You know, I've actually, Hugh Jackman may be a straight guy, but I do admire that he's always, he's always, he hasn't shied away from taking gay parts. Like, I wish he, you know, I, I'm not arguing that it's a good thing, but it, at least he's used his clout to some degree to get some gay stories told. Um, with the boy from Oz. Like, but I mean, I'm, that's, 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 again, that's the problem is we've got such breadcrumbs that we're dealing with that something that in 10 years I hope isn't an acceptable thing. Like, it, it's not just, it's every fucking franchise and every fucking property Disney has gobbled up and the quite in you know Spaceballs 2 the search for more money mm-hmm. yeah that like let's look at Star Wars because there was that blink and you miss it moment in the rise and fall of Skywalker there was also the quote there was uh, also the quote unquote queerness in I forget which Avengers movie it was, but the support no Endgame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, okay, in those two instances that we're gonna deal that 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 you brought up here, okay, first of all, in Rise of Skywalker, they explicitly canonized and saluted an astonishingly violent and abusive relationship and gave it a big cheering moment. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I hate I hate exactly one Star Wars movie. I don't like the Clone Wars movie, but I only hate one Star Wars movie. Then with Endgame, you know, there's a brief cameo by Loki, a character who is explicitly in the comics pangender, pansexual. You're never gonna see any of that for, for Loki. Mm-hmm. Never. Even though Loki changes gender at the drop of a hat in the comics. Hmm. And that's a big deal for the character, too. And is treated as a normal thing. And and let's... Well... Since Deadpool is... Well, I forget which studio it falls under. It was Fox. Yeah. Like, you have Deadpool, who is explicitly pansexual... Mm-hmm. Not doing a lot of pan stuff in the movies, but we do get lesbian representation and make a negasonic teenage warhead, or yeah, mm-hmm. which. I, but you're also erasing the fucking sexuality of your main character. Like I even and, and like Come like on. the the one thing that even remotely hints at the fact that he's pan is that he's willing to take it in the ass. When his wife puts on the strap on. That's like mm-hmm. No, he just likes pegging. Like mm-hmm. other people like pegging too, but that would seem more it's a It's a joke. Fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, I will say this. I will say this. We should note that one person who's been very vocal about the fact that he does not like that the studio has been putting this restriction on him 
Ryan, is Ryan, Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds has been pushing for this. I want to give them mm-hmm. a little bit of credit here. And I will also point out one nice thing I will say about the Negasonic Teenage Warhead handling is Brianna Hildebrand, who plays the character, is in fact queer. So Good. that's kind of nice. But again, this should be the bare fucking minimum. Mm-hmm. And and like it's like you have that, and then with Pixar, uh, let's not forget about the brief uh, quote unquote scare of the possible lesbian moms in Finding Dory. Didn't even see that shot. Uh, it was blink and you'll miss it, mm-hmm. and everyone. Uh, there is a shot in the movie where there are two women who are presumed to be parents mm-hmm. look at each other mm-hmm. and people got up and aren't, well, when I say people, Idiots. I think we know which people we're talking mm-hmm. about got up in arms about yeah. potential lesbians in the movie despite Wait. the fact they just... that Dory is voiced by a, by a lesbian right by a gay woman i so two women looked at each other and that's too much for them and that's all they did yes interesting and now I, let's let let's jump to this year with onward where mm-hmm. the pixar does have an explicitly queer character in the film except she's a cop a, a coded as black cop, just so we can really make sure this is the most problematic character they could possibly create. Yes. And if you remember your queer history, that's a very fucking bad mix. Stonewall people. And even then, Stonewall got fucking whitewashed years ago when Roland Emmerich did his version of retelling mm-hmm. Stonewall. Jesus Christ. There's so much shit in this system. And like, it's... Disney is honestly one of the biggest offenders here out of the big five. Because they keep... The thing is, if they would just shut their mouths and not make any effort, like Illumination doesn't try anything. Illum- Illumination keeps their damn mouths shut. They don't say, hey, look what we're doing, how to be progressive. They just keep their damn mouths shut and just make boring crap. But, you know, Disney keeps trying to go for the woke points and utterly failing. And I get to, here's where I get to bring up some perspective as a parent about how I feel about this shit. Oh, one more point. Uh, yes, please do, Zephyr. Sad Cop was actually played by a lesbian actor, Lena Waithe. Mm-hmm. So, just it's it's, and Waithe uh, is uh, problematic is a point to say about her. Let's just say that she's got some issues. Um, but let me let me can I just say my thought as a parent about how I feel about this shit? Because keep in mind, I'm the one that they're all supposed to be not offending. Mm-hmm. Yes, you okay. you do have you do For, have a womb nugget that mm-hmm. has is running around and that I have personally held in my arms quite a few times. And right then and goddamn there is mm-hmm. why I am pissed 
because Zephyr, you're not the only gay friend I have. You know? Hooray like, for not tokenism. <laughs> See, I live in the real goddamn world where, you know, again, Zephyr, you're not the only one that I, I have. We have a ton of them. Um, you know, one of Amanda's best friends and his boyfriend were literally just over here this afternoon and Lola saw them. And she sees them a lot. She knows them by name. She, she understands that they're boyfriends. She doesn't give a shit. I want this to be normalized. I want this to be something that Lola sees and does, you know, doesn't make a big deal out of it because it's not. It's, 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 the, it's the most simple, safe thing in the world. And it's embarrassing that here we are in 2020. You know, um, I'll tell you, as a comic book fan, I want a Young Avengers movie so that I can get Hulkling and Wiccan on the screen. Two gay characters that have been, you know, aren't like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, they might be gay characters in the comics, explicitly queer characters that the comics have made the main characters of that series. I want to see those characters. I'm not getting that. I want a version of Mystique that's not just eye candy for the men. Mystique is an explicitly queer character. Um, I, I, I want a, a Deadpool that is open to anything. In fact, I want a Deadpool in the comics who's in a relationship with a man while I'm at it. It'd be kind of nice if the comics could improve their game a little bit about that. Just saying. I want this shit. And it's, it's, it's getting on my nerves that I'm not seeing it. And I'm a straight guy in Arkansas. So if I'm getting annoyed by this, my God, I cannot imagine how frustrating it must be for someone who actually has a greater stake in it than just allyship. Oh, I mean, there's that. And, uh, let's talk about intersectionality for a bit because, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't hide the fact that I'm queer and autistic and mm -hmm. got a fucking bunch of other things. You don't do you know. Do you know how fucking rare it is? Just rare to have to see that an intersection involving queer disabled people. And it's and that one. And then and then even further, queer disabled people being played by same type. I you know, yeah. I can only name one film off the top of my head do that keep the change mm -hmm. uh 2017 film uh was is more or less an expansion on the short film the same name that actually uses and focuses on actually autistic people getting in you know being in relationships and there is a bisexual autistic character who I mean, hell, they're like what they all do for fun is hang around and sing show tunes. Hmm. You know, like, the, first, the frustrating thing for me is that autistic people, by our very nature, are more cognizant of who we are. We don't wrestle with our identity the same way that, uh, you know, neurotypical people do. 
And we just were like, okay, this is who we are. Next. Big deal. No big deal. And we roll with it. But you never see that depicted in the media. Do you know how many, do you know how many trans autistic friends I have? It's, 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 it's honestly too many for me to count. It's that common. So this really does, this really does piss me off. And there was another film in, that was about a woman with cerebral palsy falling in love with a blind activist and, and exploring queer identity that I would have recommended had it not been for the fact that the cerebral palsy was another case of cripping up. God damn mm. that. What are you talking the record, about? It was Margarita with a Straw. Okay. okay. You know... That's uh, not the one I was thinking of. Continue. Um, and I guess for the listeners out there, cripping up is the practice where an able-bodied actor uh, portrays a disabled character on screen. It's it's agonizing to me that I can name more autistic actors than I can name autistic actors who have actually gotten to play um, autistic roles. Um, uh, like, like, and, and here's the thing that drives me nuts is the is the argument that we just can't play these parts because um, you know, let me point out, um, we can be in Blade Runner and do just fine. We can be in Kill Bill and do just fine. Yep. Uh, which which specific people? Uh, Daryl Hannah. In both oh. cases. Yeah. I um, did not know. We can create Ghostbusters for the love of God. <laughs> um, we, can, we can fucking be serial killers. We can be the most famous one on film. We can create Community and Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, just to be clear, um, yes, um, D Dan Harmon is 100% confirmed. Um, we can, like, do you see what we are capable of? And yes, that is the big thing. We, we can play Hannibal Lecter, but we can't play ourselves. And if hmm. I'm honest, I think most autistic, most autistic people, because of how poorly autistic characters are written. Also, hey, which Hannibal Lecter? The Hannibal Lecter. Silence oh, really? of the Lambs, Jonathan Demme. Oh, yep. Yeah, well, Hannibal Lecter. Um, yeah. It's huh. also kind of surprising that uh, Jonathan Demme has worked with uh, autistic people twice. What was, the, what was the other one? Remind me. Stop Making Sense. Yep, yep. John, uh, David Byrne. Who is yeah, David Byrne is indeed an autism. Yeah. And <laughs> once you know that, a lot his of things career, make sense. His entire stories makes a lot of sense. And, yeah. and, 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 and it just really speaks to how... It, this is the frustration. And this is why intersexual... This is why I, think, why I think autistic people in particular tend to be very intersectional. It's because we relate. We're like, oh, you're not getting to tell your story and you're being made into a sad joke? Hey, I relate to how you're feeling. You want a beer? <laughs> it's and that's one that's one of the reasons I'm a very passionate ally. Um, by the way, Amanda just had SVU on in the background. 
Uh, can we agree that that show's handling of uh, these issues? First of all, SVU is the police brutality is awesome hour. Let's never forget that. I mean, what show isn't? Yeah, what show isn't? But this one in particular is like, we're going to set the Geneva Convention on fire. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. Um, but something that I noticed in, uh, in an episode was they had a trans woman played by an actress who has a really, really goddamn dubious achievement to her name, which is she has played a trans woman and a trans man in her career. Hmm. Said actress is extremely feminine. Go to hell, Hollywood. I go. That was brought up in Disclosure, but I can't remember for the life I of me. I hope so, I, because I hope it, so, because that's embarrassing. Just watch Disclosure. I, I, I intend to. I, I just want to be clear that I've had such a hectic time, I haven't even been able to watch Hamilton yet. Like, this is just really something that deeply... It's, it's just, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's frustrating to me um, because this just shouldn't be this hard is what it comes down to. You know what I mean? Yep. It shouldn't I, be this hard and yet the only times that you'll actually see intersectionality not seen as a risk in terms of queer and X minority whatever you name it is within the indie film scene. And even then, you're going to have to look even beyond the indie scene and do some massive, massive digging. Mm -hmm. Like, Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, indie films are good at this sort of thing, but we're only getting what is approved. And even then, it's got major problems. Like, I mentioned Moonlight. I love that film greatly, but it's it's all heterosexuals in the cast. It's based on a play by a gay writer, but it's it's an all heterosexual cast. It's and even then we need to address the fact that A twenty four kind of tried to bury that film, like like we don't really talk enough about how A twenty four as much as anything that Timothy Chalamet does they'll like pass a kidney trying to make it a big deal or anything Ari Aster does, they'll like blow it up on, you know, as much as they can. But they kind of tried to bury that film and were only really unable to do so because it got such good response. And it kind of won a very major award. And it kind of deserved it because, again, Moonlight is absolutely great. It's also a short how many how how many hundred minute movies can you think of lately? But it but like they they ran from it compared to their other stuff that they've done because you know they couldn't it couldn't play to their white hipster scene because that like, whatever it was about it's black as hell. Like if you want something that has gay black men that actually does it justice and runs in under an hour you gotta look at 1989's tongues untied marlon riggs it, it it is fucking it it's essential viewing basically because as white as the queer scene is it still is 
again, I'm, I'm, I mentioned Pose. Uh, let me uh, let me point one really horrible thing about it. Look at the races of the men that are running the show. Also notice that one of them is straight and is married to the Queen of Goop herself, for God's sake. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. If you want queer and blackness outside of Moonlight, watch either Tongues Untied or The Watermelon Woman. Cheryl Dunye. Yeah. Um, because right now, The Watermelon Woman is having a great renaissance. And rightfully so. Because I've seen Watermelon Woman and it's exactly the thing that is still being discussed even right the second between you two. Yeah. Representation. And that's a film that starred two queer women. It, it was it was the, the it was the real deal and of course it's been completely buried. It's only now getting any uh, you know like it came out in 1996 and it's just now having a a a resurrection. Yeah. Um and of course it was directed by a woman too. That's a big thing there. That... A a queer black woman. And so just the system sucks. It sucks. Like again, if you want but at this point, any chance of representation of of me of seeing myself on screen, I have to do it my goddamn self. Yep. Because Big Five won't do it. Lord knows if any kind of indie distributor or one of the big indie distributors like A24, Focus Features, etc. No, I just want to point out, Focus Features is an indie distributor with a giant asterisk that's so big it should blot out their name. They're Universal's mm-hmm. boutique wing. They're not indie my indie my ass. Who? Which one? Focus features. Uh, Eternal yeah. Sunshine and uh, Broken yeah. Mountain. You're you're Universal's boutique wing. You are no more independent than my steering wheel is independent of my car. <laughs> yeah, I can move you around. But you are still completely connected and still a core part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I yeah. want something done, I have to do it myself. Mm. And such is such really feels like it's the nature of of art that you don't want that to be the case. You don't want it to be that you have to create it for yourself when you're in an underrepresented space, and it's unfair. And it just, it sucks. And and the thing is, I'm, I'm going to throw this theory out there. It's the gatekeepers that are doing it. I don't think it's the mainstream audience that feels this way, honestly. That's what kind of annoys me, is I think there's a mainstream audience that's ready and receptive to this stuff, to the point that any crumbs that are thrown out, even heterosexuals get excited by it, you know? Um, there's a you know, Nickelodeon famously put a tremendous amount of limitations on the creators of Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. 
but they very badly wanted to make the character explicitly lesbian or explicitly bisexual at the end. And at the end of it, she's in a relationship with a woman. Uh, and they, it was so, they put so many restrictions on them that after the finale aired, they had to go on Tumblr and say, listen, just so that nobody thinks we were wimping out of this, here's exactly the bullshit we had to go through. And yes, Korosami is canon. Like, hmm. and as explicitly clear as they could, because Nickelodeon wasn't going to let them. It's, mm -hmm. it's, and the thing is, that's a relationship that I know a lot of straight people that really caught into that relationship because they wrote a good relationship. Hmm. A lot of straight people I know are backing the whole Harley Ivy relationship, which DC is trying so hard to erase ever having been an idea. It would be nice if I could name some characters who weren't attractive lesbians. You know what I mean? That's something else. Can I, can I just bring this up as something that does kind of bug me? Sure. Which is so many of the examples that I bring up are very conventionally attractive. And then you realize, like, with a lot of lesbian relationships, I'm not saying this should be a reason that you can't tell these kinds of stories, but you have to notice how many of them are fetishized for male for the male gaze. And that, yeah, Blue's The Warmest Color did that a lot. Mm -hmm. The creator of the original graphic novel despises the film. It. Mm. The actresses that made the film have out have all but accused the director of rape. Yep. Oh, wow! Yeah, those yeah. sex scenes were not fun to shoot. Oh, jeez. Because that is all people know of Blue's The Warmest Color is well, are those scenes? The movie, by the way, is nearly three hours long. I will point out. Yeah. Spoilers, it's kind of a small amount of the film. Yeah, it makes up like less than 10 minutes of the entire runtime. Jeez. But, like, if you're looking for average lesbians, I'm not not throwing that as like a, like a pejorative, but if you want something realistic, go fish. The 1994 film. Well, you know, we, we're talking about um, uh, the, um, let's, what was it? Um, the Watermelon Woman. Yeah. Um, uh, funny. Guess who, uh, co guess what? The lead actress in that co-wrote and, um, what was it? She co-wrote and um, uh, co-starred in Go Fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. And she is quite openly lesbian. So. Oh yeah. Go. Like if you want average-looking people, I mean, you can go back to Fastbinder, Renier Werner Fastbinder, nineteen seventy-five, Fox and his friends. He is not remotely attractive. I can tell you that much. I mean that. That mustache pretty much kills any sexual appeal, at least in my opinion. But he was honest about it. But the sad part is, gay men can be sold as unattractive in relationships. Because again, it's not for the male gaze. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I mentioned, we, we, we bring up Deadpool. It's not for nothing that the relationship there is to conventionally attractive women. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's so frustrating. And I'm not saying that attractive women can't play lesbians. I'm saying that it'd be nice if not just attractive women played lesbians. Or just attractive people being in any kind of sexual or romantic orientation. Because, like, I look at something like My Beautiful Laundrette. Mm -hmm. Groundbreaking, at least at the time, and still kind of is, at least when I rewatched it. Because you have historical intersectionality um it it did well with art house audiences it's actually slated for a remake with some of the original cast playing uh characters from the original movie but uh in different roles because of their age obviously but like having uh a british pakistani relationship in the Thatcher era? I mean, okay, it doesn't help that you have Daniel Day-Lewis as half of that. Yeah. But, like... God damn. I know. Or, like, a Taxi Zoom Flow. Yeah. If we want to go even further. God, there, and of course, listeners, if you're remotely familiar with the, the celluloid closet text and uh, film, some of these titles might sound a little familiar. Which, again, I, I cannot recommend enough. It's just an exhaustive resource. But it's one that's in need of an update. It's one... It is very much in need of an update. And it's, it's it's something that I really respect about that work is it doesn't go into gossip about who was gay and who wasn't in Hollywood. Because who gives a shit? That's gossip. It's really just about the text. It does talk about queer filmmakers, but that's different. That's that's actually important. Yeah. And by, by and large, uh, not just the celluloid closet, but any kind of like 90s tomb of gay and lesbian movies. I do have a few of those. We'll mention a lot more obscure films that to this day are still kind of hard to find. And Mm -hmm. you got to get on like archive.org or, or elsewhere to find the work because you got to keep circulating the tapes. You really do. It's <laughs> important stuff. I mean, and it's interesting to me how, when you read the celluloid closet, they talk about how many actors got their start that way, how much, I mean, some really amazing moments in American cinema got going that way. Steve Buscemi broke in uh, yeah. uh, Parting Glances. Um, cool. It's It's just, it's so frustrating, and Oh, God. I, I, by the way, I implore everybody to please read about Staircase just to experience what having your blood carbonate will feel like. Ooh. Holy shit. Yeah. Or, I don't know, fucking watch The Gay Deceivers, which... Jesus. Like, I've seen The Gay Deceivers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's trash. 
it's 100% trash. But yeah. it's but depending on which camp you're in, it's the trash that is still somewhat comedic in yeah. the sense where you kind of need like the gay sensibilities or at least the right sensibilities to quote unquote enjoy it. Yeah. Because it is a product of its time. Very much yeah. is. And Michael Greer did his part to tone down the gayness and make it a lot more sympathetic to the characters. Mm-hmm. But that's all when... we, but all we remember of the gay deceivers is the clip. Yes. Which... That's one that I've been curious about just because of that clip. Look what you've done to my peonies! They're marigolds! Good God! I think she's right. They are marigolds. I may not know my flowers, but I know a bitch when I see one! (laughs) It's funny just by itself. Yes, by itself. Mm. It's incredibly campy as hell. Yeah. But... But I do know some people who are a little flamboyant like that. Yeah. And God, I love them for it. And that's the thing that's, that, that you, you kind of have to go to, which is, you know, obviously nobody's saying erase all this stuff, you know? I hope not. I mean, you know, if so, uh, well, you know, it's a bad idea. But, like, I don't know. It's just, I, 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 it really is deeply frustrating for me to try and say, I don't know. And as I said, it's frustrating for me because I don't really have a lot of ground here to talk. You know what I mean? That is something oh, yeah. that I'm always acutely aware of. That's something that I wish more people would actually think about, which is the whole, you know, you might want to think about what you have the right to say. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, it's, this is also tricky. And right now, I think what really bothers me is, there's this idea of, well, okay, anybody has the right to tell any story. And it's like, okay, but when it's straight white people that are getting to tell every story, really? Does every, does anybody have the right to tell any story? I'm who just asking. Who dies? Who tells your story? There is a reason that that – there's a reason that that line strikes people so hard, I think. It, and it really is – that people think about that that idea of, you know, because it's an important question. Who does tell your story? Yeah. It, it just shouldn't be straight white men. That's, that's all that I'm saying. I just no. realized that whole lyric is basically Cloud Atlas in a nutshell, which mm-hmm. I still think about that film every single day, not going to lie. Oh. I need it, to see it. You should. It's. I mean, yeah, you're gonna need to devote three hours, but mm-hmm. it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a masterpiece. It's like if we're not counting the Matrix, it's definitely their magnum opus. You know what's cool is the writer of the book had a very definite opinion about the film version. Oh yeah. Which is to say that he's one of the writers on the new Matrix movie. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I don't think that he, I don't, I don't, maybe he strongly disliked it. I might be wrong, but I kind of doubt that if you're working with the people that adapted your book, I doubt you disliked it too much. Just saying. Hmm. Uh, I suspect he's probably pretty positive on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, I'm, I'm just so, uh, that is actually going to start shooting again soon. Uh, the new Matrix movie. Who mm. I'm hyped. Were they in the middle of shooting it? Yep. While this hit? Yeah. Yep. And I'm I'm hyped because I'm 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 ready I'm ready to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be good to be it'll good to be good to see a sequel that they actually wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because let's let's not forget uh, they uh, they did not want to make two and three. Mm-hmm. We tried it. We we tried politely to wash it, you know, to ignore it. But um, yeah, they didn't want to make two and three. They wanted to, what they wanted to do. By the way, was two was going to be basically two and three, what two and three were, but as one movie, and which mm-hmm. would have worked so much better. Cut up because if anything, I can guarantee you three. What they would have done with three would have probably been twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. I maintain two feels like what they wanted to do mostly. And then three is like, they took all that stuff and then the grand conclusion that they were building to, and then stretched it out for a film. And it was agony to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, but I, but yeah. And then they wanted the third film to be a prequel, which wound up becoming mm-hmm. part of the matrix. Hmm. Yeah, the the little two part thing in the Animatrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Which that would have been cool to see in film long form, but uh, it was also cool to see in anime form. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. very good in anime form. Uh, hmm. I don't know, but we we got off topic, and that's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I really don't have much more to say. This is. This is. This is. This is a topic that we could probably come back to once a year, and we will never, we we will never repeat ourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. fuck it. Let let's just go ahead and make that happen. That was kind of yeah. figured we would. Every year, do a state of the union on this because. Well, there you go. It needs to be. It needs to be something that we look at. We never need to let this be something that we just shrug and say, okay, well, we got to a point where you know, because it's never going to be that, and. Mm-hmm. I think the part of being a progressive is you have to actually go along with the idea of, okay, I guess I have to progress. And mm-hmm. people seem afraid of that. And I'm not. I'm not. No. I'm ready to progress. Move yeah. on. Evolve. Grow. Yeah, because if you're not growing, what the hell are you doing? So, yep. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't end this on a grand triumphant note, and we're not, and we shouldn't, because there's nothing grand or triumphant about this. It, it's a fight. There's still, there is a, a lot of work that needs mm-hmm. to be done inside the system, outside the system, then yourselves, because yeah. it. It's July 2020. 
a lot of shit has happened. A lot of shit is still going to happen. Regardless of what you're looking at. And at this point, I, like, it, it's AIDS 2.0. We're, we're looking at COVID as AIDS 2.0, especially here in the States. And we'll come back to this topic again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And we need to. And let's just keep, let's keep the fight up. Let's keep the attention on. Let's yeah. never let, let's, the second we get complacent is the second that it's not even worth us talking about this stuff. We can never get complacent. We can never get comfortable. Let's, let's keep fighting. And that's, yeah. that's kind of all I have to say now is let's keep fighting. Keep fighting. Support queer artists whenever you can. If you are, if you can reasonably and financially do so, I mean, help, you know, help the queer people. That's what Jesus would have done. Yes, exactly what he would have done. So, yeah. And actually, I did think we were talking about the similarity to um, COVID and AIDS and COVID and AIDS. Yes. You really can't miss it. You really can't miss the similarities. And they didn't intend that. They had no idea of that. You know? And the thing is, the second that they realized that COVID was going to hit the vulnerable more strongly, they stopped mm-hmm. giving a Then shit. they started to ignore it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Um, any, any of y'all know someone who's um, been affected by it? Uh, well, I know that uh, a couple people in the building I work in have tested positive, and, uh, yes, I know my, uh, my friend on Facebook, Andrea, has been affected by it. Uh, she, uh, had it, has it? Yeah. So, yeah. My social circle is still COVID-free, at least for right now, but mm-hmm. knowing how how humans are, mm-hmm. I imagine that's going to change at literally any given day. Yeah, I am so afraid of, like, my girlfriend getting it because she's immunocompromised. I'm so afraid of my parents getting it. You know, my mom just had surgery. She's kind of in a vulnerable spot. Right now, you know, my dad, you know, my, my parents are elderly now. Uh, yeah. So that's a very scary thing. Yeah, I, I'm so afraid. <laughs> I, of course, have someone very close to me that had it. And they got incredibly lucky that they are basically physically, they are almost a eugenic specimen of humanity in terms of the shape that they're in. Hmm. Basically, yeah. fit a dietitian for by her living, actually, hmm. and you know, works out every day, was physically mm-hmm. fit, and she was still sick enough to notice it and uh, get tested. Mm-hmm. So you know, mm. and she again, she got lucky in that it hit the exact DNA of someone who would not be, who would not mm-hmm. be it. You know, and, and I'm not naming them because they did not come out publicly as having it. Of course. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, man, I, I, this is ending on such a dour note that I'm like, uh, ooh, it's dark. <laughs> I mean, but it has to be. It's yeah, a dark time. Say it again. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. We're learning that a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And it ain't pretty. Mm-hmm. I'll say go to die. Go to die. Yes. Go die. Anyway, we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, it'll get better. <laughs>